So Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus, send your word to me. This evening, send your word to me. Send your word to me. Father, we thank you. We give you praise forever. Glory be to your name for what you will do this evening again in the lives of your people. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Can we open our Bibles quickly to the book of Psalms? I want us to kick off from um, Psalm... All right, let's take Psalm 9. I was thinking whether I should use 7 and 9. Quickly, the book of Psalms. Because I want us to read what they call the responsorial sign. You know, you know what they call responsorial sign? Yes. I read one line, you read another line, and we'll do it like that until we are done um, with it. All right? And please read it as if you are blessed. Amen? Amen. All right, I'm going to start. I'll read verse 1, then you read verse 2, and then we'll read like that until we get um, to the end. I'll be reading from the New American Standard, Psalm chapter 9. All right? Are you ready? I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonders, too. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praises to your name, O Most High. When my enemies turn back, they stumble and perish before you. For, for you have maintained my just cause. You have sat on the throne judging righteously. Verse 5. You have rebuked the nations. You have destroyed the wicked. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. 6. The enemy has come to an end in perpetual ruins. And you have uprooted the cities. The very memory of them has perished. But the Lord abides forever. He has established his throne for judgment. 8. And he will judge the world in righteousness. He will execute judgment for the peoples with equity. The Lord also will be a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Ten. And those who know your name will put their trust in you, for you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Eleven. Sing praises to the Lord who dwells in Zion. Declare among the peoples his deeds. For he who requires blood remembers them. He does not forget the cry of the afflicted. Be gracious to me, O Lord. See my affliction from those who hate me. You who lift me up from the gates of death. And I will tell of all your praises that in the gates of the daughter of Zion I may rejoice in your salvation. 15. The nations have sunk down in the pit which they have made. In the net which they hid, their own foot has been caught. He has executed judgment. In the work of his own hands, the wicked is snared. 17 says, The wicked will return to Sheol, even all the nations who forget God. For the needy will not always be forgotten, and nor the hope of the afflicted perish forever. Arise, O Lord, do not let man prevail. Let the nations be judged before you. Put them in fear, O Lord. Let the nations know that they are but men. Sailor. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for the beauty of your words. As we go into this word again this evening, we receive insight. We receive understanding. We receive knowledge. We receive wisdom. Wisdom to obey God. Wisdom to execute the righteousness of God on the earth. We receive this and we receive healing for our bodies. The entrance of that word is bringing strength to our bones. 
We receive all of this this evening in the name of Jesus Christ. Let's take our seats. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. All right. School of prayer. We keep on learning how to pray. I said something last time. Let me say it again. If anybody says we are prayed enough, he's speaking for who? Speaking for the devil. It's a satanic counsel. He's giving satanic advice. We have not prayed enough. Why? The Lord said men ought always to pray and never faint from praying. Paul said pray without ceasing. Last time I explained that one way by which you can continually pray and not get tired of praying is to give thanks always. But this series began to talk about the prophetic assignment that we have as a people, as the people of God. And it's so important we understand it. Prayer, again, let me repeat, is very crucial. It is the basis of the operations of God on the earth. What God did is that he said the heavens are the heavens of the Lord, but the earth he has given to the sons of men. That is, what God did is that he separated the authority. He holds the heavens, then he gave the earth to man, even though the earth belongs to him. What does that mean? It means that if he wants to do anything on the earth, the first thing he does is to recruit man to be on his side. And that's the principle of prayer. That's the principle of prophecy. What people do is to ask God to do something. I said there's this fine line. They're very similar, but there's a difference. In prayer, you are asking God for something. In prophecy, when you prophesy, you are declaring what his will is. You are not making requests, but you are declaring the will of God. We have reminded ourselves that there's a difference between the will of God and the decree of God. That is, Jesus taught us to pray, thy will be done. That tells us his will is not automatically done. Whatever he says on earth will always be done. So what's the difference? His will is that which he wants. His will is his character defined. His will is his pleasure explained. His will is his plan, you understand, unfolded. That's his will. But what is his decree? His plan, his will, that is one. The behavior of the people, two. And the prayers of the people. You put those three things together. The resultant product is what you call, the. De- that's, that's what ends up being the decree of the Almighty. So even though God does not want any man to perish, but yet the Bible says that Saul died for the trespass he committed against the Lord. He said, therefore God killed him. He doesn't want any man to perish, but he killed somebody. That was the decree of the Almighty. Are you getting my point? His will is that no man, including Saul, will perish. But Saul ended up, ended up perishing. Why? Because of his, the trespass he committed against the Lord. See, his works affected the will of God in his life. God took them out of Egypt with the intention of taking them into the promised land. But the word preached did not profit them. Why? It was not mixed with faith in the hearts of those who heard it. The Bible says they could not enter because of what? Disobedience. Because of unbelief. Because of disobedience. So even though they were supposed to enter, but because of disobedience, they couldn't enter. So God did not override that and say, my will is you must enter. Therefore, you, I hear people say it all the time, <laughs> that God is fulfilling his promises to Israel. Not because they are faithful, but because he is faithful. I say, yes, he was faithful the time he said, if you do the deeds they are doing in that land, I will throw you out the way I threw them out. Was he not faithful that time? Why would his faithfulness suddenly change all of a sudden? The one I'm trying to make, however, all right, let's get it clear. God said to the people, I want to take into the promised land. But they said, you can't. So he wasn't able to do it. His will, that is good. His plan, very perfect. However, it had to mix with the faith of the people for it to be executed. Don't forget that. So, 
let's use Nigeria. We live in Nigeria, right? We use it as our example to teach the divine principles. For two reasons. Number one, it becomes clear. Number two, so that those of us who live in Nigeria can actually do what God wants us to do. It's very important. Now, to continue what we've been talking about, all right, let me just emphasize something. God is misrepresented and his devil is unduly glorified. That's a major problem we have in Christianity of today. Let me say that again. God is misrepresented and the devil is unduly glorified. Those two things, they are pervasive in the body of Christ today. It makes it hard for us to do what we are supposed to do. Now, please bear those two statements in mind, and I'm going to get back to it in a moment. So, if God wants to do something on the earth, he requires us to do what Jesus said. Pray, thy will be done. So one of the things we do with prayer is to, let me use the expression, enforce the will of God. To say, Lord, this is your will. Let it be done on the earth. And one of the things we do in that regard is to declare the word into the air. Now, let me say this again. The Bible says the word of God is what? Alive and active. Sharper than any two-edged sword. I want to talk about that alive and active issue for a moment. What does it mean to be alive? It means it breeds. Now, let me quickly say something here. The focus when that statement was made was on intellect, the issue of intelligence. I hope you're getting my point. That is, the word of God can think. It can reason. It is active. That's the reason why I talked about being active. That the word of God is not passive. It is not something you just obey. That's a passive word. Instructions can be passive. Like you see at the door there, no mask, no entry. It's a passive instruction. People can look at it and see enter. You know, I entered without it. I'm not being disobedient. I knew I was coming up to preach, so I have one in my bag, okay? It didn't say no mask in your bag. <laughs> have in my bag. Of course, for those who, somebody may be listening to this at a particular time, this is COVID season. Because <laughs> they wonder why people masquerade in that ministry. It is federal government that says we are gathering in a group, please wear your mask and practice social distancing. You know, Nigerians are funny. We don't practice social distancing. Our seats do. The chairs are socially distanced. Then once we get up, bros, have a hug. <laughs> oh, I went to one church one day. The pastor head I was around. He said, ah, call Pastor Bank to the front. As soon as I came up, he gave me a hug. He said, social distancing. <laughs> he announced it and hugged me. I said, like, oh, God, amen, by faith, not to happen to us. <laughs> now, so for those of who may be listening to this at another time so that they get the context right. So we have that notice at the door. But that's a passive instruction. It's passive. You have to be the one to act upon it. If you don't act upon it, the instruction cannot do anything. The word of God is different. The word of God is not a passive instruction. It's an active word. If it says... No mask, no entry. If you don't wear a mask, you will collapse. I don't know whether you're getting my point. The word of God is not no mask, no entry. No. If it says no mask, no entry, what means the ability to enter will be removed if you don't have the mask. That's the meaning of the word of God is alive and what? Active. So I've said to people many times, first time some people heard me, they were confused. I said, you don't act on the word. No. You know, we said that, act on the word. I said, no. The word acts on you. You act on the word if the word was passive. But because the word is active, the word acts on you. He says, son of man, stand on your feet that I may speak to you. He said, now this is a man, Ezekiel, who fell down because of the influence or the overpowering influence of the glory of God. Ezekiel chapter 1. Now, God now said in chapter 2, son of man, stand on your feet that I may speak to you. 
He said, as he spoke to me, the Spirit entered into me and set me on my feet. That is the meaning of the word is what? Active. If it was passive, Ezekiel would be there struggling. Or God tried to. That's why you've heard me say it many times. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego could not bow. They didn't try not to bow. Ability to bow was withdrawn. Why? Because when they made the right decisions earlier, grace had been released into their lives. So when Jesus looked at that woman caught in the act of adultery, she said, neither do I condemn you. Listen to this. Go and sin no more. It was not a passive instruction. The word is alive and what? Active. That was to remove the ability to commit adultery from her. You say, okay, how come God has spoken so much? People, uh, people are still not obeying. It's simple. They don't believe. Because for the word to become active in your life, it needs only one thing. Faith. So we labor concerning faith, not to obey the word. And that's why the literal Hebrew concerning obedience never said, thou shalt obey the word. He said, thou shalt pay attention to it. When God wanted to instruct the people of Israel, he said, you read your Bible, he says, thou shalt hearken diligently, King James English, unto the voice of the Lord thy God. No, God didn't say that. That is, in the, 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 what it comes across to you in English was not what he said. What he said literally in Hebrew is this. Thou shalt listen, listening. And double emphasis is in many languages. Even in Nigerian English and Pidgin, we say it. Now, now. If I say now, you know, it's... But when I say now, now, what does that tell you? It means immediately. It's like that. In languages, you say things verily, verily. I say unto you. Jesus says it double for you to do that. It's very serious. Verily, verily, I say unto you. You understand the principle there? Double emphasis in many languages. Something is spoken twice. What did Joseph say concerning the interpretation of the, uh, of the dream of Pharaoh? Saying that that dream was given to you twice. It means God is determined it's going to happen quickly. If it was one dream, we don't know where to happen. But you dreamt the first time, then the second time, say, bros, get ready. Make preparation now. So when God says things like, thou shalt listen, listening, he was emphasizing it. That how does the word come into your heart so that it can start working in your life is attention. You don't act on the word. People will preach it all the time. Act on the word. Let me say to you, I'm not saying it's wrong, evil doctrine, but go beyond that level. The word acts on people. You know why? The word is active. The word that doesn't act on you is the one you have not paid attention to so as to believe. Because attending to the word is a sign of faith. It's a sign of faith. So any word you pay attention to, we act on you. If you are trying to act on the word, look, you have not believed the word yet. It has not entered. When it enters, it works. Think about it. What could Sarah do to conceive at the age of 90, 89? What could she do? No, think about it. Was there something she could personally do? No. But when the word came to her, she laughed. Again, I keep on reminding us, she was not mocking. She wasn't mocking God. Say, God, you found you. Shall these things be? No. It was marvelous. When the Lord turned the king, the captivity of Zion, were like them that dream. 
Then our mouths were filled with what? Laughter. Why? It was marvelous. It was wonderful. What God had done was just wonderful. So when she saw that that word was going to come to pass, she burst into laughter. Say, God, you want to embarrass somebody. And it is true. Women that are not even that old. If a woman is 50 years old and her first son is 30 years old or 25 years old, she gets pregnant, she's embarrassed. People will be looking at her funny. Say, Madam, a two? You too? And you're looking like, what did I do? That was why that woman laughed. She wasn't mocking God. Then the word went and acted on her. Changed her body. Rejuvenated things that people said were dead. And then she conceived and gave birth to Isaac. The word works. That's what we must say the word works. We're not saying a principle is effective. Many times people say that when you hear the word works, you think you are saying that ah, this principle works. No, the word is not the principle. It's a living person. It's a living being. So if the word says, no mask, no entry, don't try to enter. It will bounce you back. The word stands guard by itself. It has its own sword. It executes and enforces its own decrees. Don't forget that. So, if we fill the air with the word, it is like releasing missiles. No, not missiles. Missiles don't think. It's like releasing, yes, can I just use the expression? Intelligent beings out there to go and fight and effect some things and enforce certain issues. It's like recruiting more policemen with certain instructions. It's like giving orders to soldiers, go out and do this. It's important. Why does it not work the way it's supposed to? Just one reason. Unbelief. Unbelief comes in different ways. There's, a, I mean, all of them the same thing, just manifesting different ways. There's unbelief that manifests like, I don't know what this word is saying. There's unbelief that manifests like, I agree with what they are saying, but I would not pay attention to it. I don't know whether you're getting my point. That's another way of unbelief, uh, issue of, with unbelief. Let me give an example. We all do that. Most Christians do that. All of, all of us have to repent. For example, the word is medicine to our flesh, amen? True of us. The scripture is the word of God. He sent his word and what? Healed them. All of us claim we agree. That is those of us who believe that supernatural healing is even for today. So generally it looks like we believe. But you know the real sign that we don't believe as we should is that we don't take the medicine. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Yes. So, negligence is a sign of unbelief. In fact, when they say they could not enter because of unbelief, literally of unpersuadableness. They couldn't be persuaded. They were reluctant. They were not fully convinced. Most importantly, they were negligent. Negligent. That's why you hear things like the kingdom of God suffers what? Violence. Is that aggressive pursuit that's the issue with that violence? Aggressive pursuit that we charge at the city, the promise of God. It doesn't manifest. We will not back down. We won't say we can't take this city. We'll go back again, re-strategize, and charge again. Aggressive pursuit until we break down the walls of that city, enter therein, and take the plunder. Negligence is a sign of unbelief. When we don't 
take time out to perform certain duties is a sign that we don't really believe. Now, because of that lack of faith, because of that unbelief, the word seems not to work. You know, like we're saying on Saturday. When God said to the people of Israel, when Moses was commenting, that Deuteronomy chapter 8, he said, he made you hungry, then he fed you with manna. What was he trying to say? What was he trying to do? He was trying to explain to you that your focus, your emphasis, your trust is somewhere else. So he wanted to remove their trust from food and bring it to every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So every, remember we said it, every test, every trial, every difficulty in your life is supposed to do what? Drive you in search of that word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's what hunger is. Hunger is a type of difficulty. He made you hungry, then he fed you with manna. Why? So that you will understand that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word. So anytime bread, and that bread stands for all kinds of provisions. So anytime bread is lacking, say don't kill yourself for bread. Anytime maybe you want to get something done, somebody say, call me, I'll be able to help you. You get to, you call him, his phone is off. You get to his house, or God, no day. Are you following what I'm saying? That is, bread is what? Lacking. To fulfill all righteousness, you can call him one more time. After that, don't call him again. And so that one day when he said, you didn't call me, say, sir, I tried. I called you, I came to your house. But in your mind, you're not even hoping he'll pick the call. You say, this is lack of bread. Bread is not existing now. So how will I get my results? By every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So I go back home to go and search for that word. And when I say search for that word, I mean literally search for that word. Open the Bible and read it and pray. And say, Lord, where is the word? The word is not, oh, you will pass through this gate and call this person and do this. No. The word is something like a simple scripture that is activated. He surrounds the righteous with favor as with a shield. One man said, I will help you. But God said, no, let me surround you with favor as with a shield. So that wherever you go, everybody will help. I hope you're getting my point. So when I find that every word, I take that every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God, and I start uttering it everywhere I go. I release it into the air. I wake up in the morning, the time I will have been calling and checking my phone and calling somebody, I drop the phone and I speak into the air. The Lord surrounds the righteous with favor as with a shield. I am surrounded. I'm a child of God. I have the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because I have received the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness. Therefore, I am freely surrounded with favor as with a shield. You are getting to a place where only big people can enter. You don't know anybody. You knock on the door, hello, sir. I would like to see the MD here. Why? Because the Lord surrounds the righteous with favor as with a shield. Sometimes you say that to the person who's asking why. Other times you say it to yourself, but tell the person, because I need to talk to him. He's supposed to help me with something. Does he know you? No, not yet. <laughs> Do you get my point? No, God can make people help you. I remember one young lady that came to my office years ago. She came to my office and said, the Lord said I should come and see you. Now, listen, if you want to turn me off, introduce yourself with that statement. Say, Pastor Banga, you're a spiritual man. 
I'm supposed to be a spiritual man. It's just that spiritual people like you have been seeing them for a long time. And they lie a lot. The Lord did not send them, yet they ran. So the young woman got to my office said, the Lord said, I should come and see you. And I looked at her like, yeah, you don't know me. I was in school with people more spiritual than you. And they could not shake me. So, of course, literally. I didn't answer her because she said the Lord said. He said, well, you don't like the Lord said, like I told you earlier. Why are you trying to harass me? I don't believe he said anything. But then at the end of the day, the Lord actually said to her. So I told her, listen, I'm very busy. Okay, by the way, what do you want? She told me. I'm very busy, please. I have a lot of work to do. We're here. All right. So she turned to me. As she was going. I said, Wait, what is that did you say you wanted again? She repeated it. Come. She came back. You know the Lord sent again because she was ready. You know, like, she ate it in a hurry. You know, the Bible talking about eating the Passover. She was ready. Before I said, she has brought her stuff out. She said, she needed her project done. And she, this lady came all the way from, like, three states away. Not next door. Like, three states away. That she needed his help desperately. And then she prayed. Now I believe her. I didn't believe her that time. The Lord said she should go to Enugu and go and see the pathologist there. You know why I believe her? I resumed work less than a month before then. So there was no way she would have known I existed there. She just assumed there would be. But there was none. Less than a month. So I just, okay, what is that you want? Even that day I had special grace to attend to her matter. She just give me this slide, I just look. As I'm passing comments, she's writing you know, vigorously. Next, can I have the next one? I put it on my microscope. I'm looking, looking. I'm just letting her, I'll ask her a few questions. Of course, a young lady didn't know as much as I expected. I yap her small. Can you say you're in final year? You're studying this, you don't know this. I give her a short lecture for like one minute. Give me the next one. As I'm talking, this girl is writing, 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 writing. Uninterrupted, took me one hour. I was done with her work. She entered the vehicle and went back two states away. I don't want to give the name of the very state she came from. Three states away, not there were two states between us and her own, where she came from. Because after she left, I said, the Lord really sent this girl. No, the Lord really sent this. Because <laughs> two reasons. One, how did she know I was here? She did, I just resumed work. I just came from Lagos. Number one. Then number two, as I was talking with her, the kind of you know, eloquence and understanding I had, I did not even know I had the concerning that subject matter. She didn't know me. Didn't cost her a dime. You know, typical of, um, I, 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 I understand her issue. As she was about to leave, she turned back, did her in her bag, <laughs> and brought us some money. It wasn't much. Can't even remember. Just so that she can use it to say thank you. I looked at her. I remember that she was a poor student. Don't mind me. My mouth can be one kind once. Especially when I have helped you, you can't do anything. You can't be insulted. <laughs> Actually, I told her how much I earned. That, why would I be taking her money? I, I didn't think the money was even too small. I said, I better take your money. I should be dashing your money. If you need money, call me. Say, hey, mom, please, oh, I'm the person you helped that time. Can you give me small? I will give you money. Now you're giving me money. I bet, move. What's my emphasis? She didn't spend a dime. Went back. She came three states away, landed there, came, traced my office. She didn't know me from Adam. In one hour, I was done. She went back to the park, took another vehicle, and went back to where she came from. He surrounds the righteous, the righteous with favor, as with a shield. I don't need to tell you she's a believer. That's how the Lord was speaking to her. <laughs> you can't really say. There are some languages that belong to us alone. Ah, no, now only us get out. 
There's no other spiritual person there that will tell you that God spoke to you, unless he's confused, like Guru Maharaj. <laughs> so, the word works. That's what I'm trying to make. It's not principles work. No, it's not principles. It's the word is alive. It arranges things. The word ends banditry. Do you see what I said? The word ends kidnapping. The word ends violence. You take the name of the Lord and lift it high, and violence ceases. But you know what? He has given the assignment to deplore, for deploring of the word to just one person or group of people. The person is the church. The believers, that's the group. Listen, let me, let me digress again. We're not really digress. Part of the message. You know, one of the things they do as ta- uh, military tactics, one of the things you do is to divert the attention of your enemy. I heard a story once, I don't know which, which preacher told the story of one particular um, allied general. You know, you know what they call allied? For the, you have to explain these things. So a lot of people, you know, sometimes when you are preaching, just as everybody knows what you know. Well, let me. During the World War II, you know, Second World War, there were two groups of, they were, you know, the friends that is looking from our angle are the Allied forces, including, of course, two prominent ones, the United States and Great Britain, okay? And everybody fighting on their side, they're the Allied forces, okay? Then the Axis, that's um, Germany, number one, Japan, then Italy, you know, and there's the Axis. The Allied forces, I don't know what we're talking about. Someone say Allied, just know now our people. We fought, you know, bomber campaign, we were there, all right? Not me personally, now I mean. Okay, Bonmao campaign, where were you? Under your bed. You know, I served the Nigeria Army, that is my NYC, was Nigeria Army. So I used to hear things like that when you go to the mess. Say, Bonmao campaign, where were you? Under your bed. <laughs> All right, so there was this particular allied general that was known, tough guy. Very, very tough. When, when they, they were planning for the Normandy landing, all of that, you know, one of the things they did was, how do we distract the Germans so that they won't know what we are doing? They put that, they leaked a secret. Of course, there are a number of ways they did it. One, they took a dead body, put military secrets on him, put him in a plane, and crashed it where the Germans will find it. <laughs> do you understand? The man is already dead. They hid military secrets on him and crashed it where the Germans will find it. It was coded, but they knew they would crack the code. And the code... What was inside the message? A wrong date for the landing. One way to distract the Germans. And that what they did was they put a general, that general I was telling you about, put him in one vehicle. He would drive all the way from Lagos to Enugu. They knew the Germans were tracking his movement. So the man was so tough, they believed he would lead the invasion. So you know what they were doing? They would pack all their armor and move to the other end to go and wait. And the man would enter his car, one man, we enter his jeep again, drive 200 kilometers in that direction. Germans will park again <laughs> and go and wait from that end. They just kept on wasting the Germans' fuel. Military is not just carry gun and run. There are a lot of things that get involved. You want to wear out your enemy. You want to mislead him. You want to tell him Buhari is his problem so he will not pray. Are you getting my point? <laughs> You have to mislead him. 
He shouldn't remember that his adversary, the devil. No, he shouldn't remember. He should think it's APC. He should think it's PDP. He should think it's the people in power. He shouldn't remember where is God my maker. So Christians spend morning, afternoon, and night discussing according to the gospel of Guardian this day. Uh, Vanguard. Wasn't the one that um, was really used to publish those days? There was one those days. One, they used to sell it a lot in New Market. What's the name again? The one that said they opened Biafran Embassy in the United States and George Bush had recognized. You see, George Bush was in power at that time. <laughs> and one man in my office, one of the most senior people in my office, believed every word. This I thought it was a joke. I looked at the guy like, he said, Doc, let me tell you, this is the real news. That one you are reading there is fake. That, that was before the time of um, Facebook, Twitter, and all of that. You had to print everything. This was years ago, about 20, about 20 years ago now. He said that the one you are reading is fake, that this is the real news. That Republic of Biafra now has an embassy recognized by the United States. I said, which United States? Do you know what? He believed it. That the mainstream newspapers, they don't, they don't want to print it so that you will not know. I said, eh? Is that so? This guy reads it. Now, just by the way, these are Christians. So. The gospel, according to like when I was in Lagos, not OPC, they also. Nadeko. Will, of course, it was everywhere. So Christians will gather, fill their hearts, so their minds will be focused on the wrong enemy. For that reason, their prayers are what? Ineffective. Like Paul said, I don't box as one boxing the air. Let me say to you, walking around, most of us believers these days, we are boxing the air. We box and box, we are worn out. But you know what? There's no opponent there. I want to find an opponent a punching bag. It's not a real opponent. We beat the punching bag until our fists are sore. Until our shoulders are tired. We sweat out two liters in a short time of punching. Nothing. They wonder why the enemy is not going down. That's another manifestation of unbelief. Ignorance and unbelief, they are the same thing. If you don't know anything, you can't walk in faith. That's what the Allied forces did. Deceived the Germans. Made them run up and down. Wore them out. What am I going to say? What we are supposed to be doing, filling the air. Listen to me, not with our ideas. Not with our thoughts. But simply with the word of God. Do you know the word of, no, Let me tell you something. The Bible says the word of God is alive and what? Active. Sharper than what? Any two-edged sword. Able to descend, separate between the joint and marrow. Now, I, I imagine he's describing how the priests used to dissect animals. They did not have a dissecting microscope. But the word of God knew where to cut and where not to cut. Nicely separating between the bones. Able to discern the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Can separate things that are coming from the spirit and things that are coming from the soul. I'm going to say, he's very, very precise. He knows who is friend, who is foe. He knows those whose hearts are with you and whose hearts are not with you, even though their mouths are all with you. The world knows that. No other person does. Your enemy can look like a friend. 
and a friend can look like an enemy. The world cannot be deceived. Everything is laid open before him whom we have to do. You can't lie to him. You can think you are lying. No? You can think you are deceiving God, but he sees it. The one thing about God is that he even knows what you don't know about yourself. I hope you know you don't know yourself. Your opinion of yourself is not true. You discover yourself. You don't know yourself. I hope you get my point. Listen, Peter did not know he would deny Jesus until he did. So you know he was bragging. Remember he leaves you. This John is a small boy. That's why. Once he sees here, Gusa, Gusa, he will run. That was what Peter thought. So he didn't expect John to stay. But me, I will stay. Thomas, he didn't believe anything anyway. But me, <laughs> I will stay. Matthew, some people are still owing him tax. He will go back to collect. But me, I will stay. He was so sure that, any, like we say those in school, no guy. No guy. There's no way he's going. There's nothing that can threaten his, his position with the Lord Jesus Christ. God said, okay, one small girl, now I go threaten. A small girl said, hmm, you sound like one of them. I saw you, he began to swear. I swear by Almighty God that the evidence I shall give in this case before this court shall be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. I don't know him. That was when he discovered himself. That was why David taught us to pray. Search me, O Lord, and know my heart. Try me and know. Because until you are tried, you don't know what you are capable of or what you are not capable of. Emphasis is on the word. The word knows. Sometimes you are bragging, the word knows. He knows your friends. So, one want to emphasize that. So, you don't focus on things that people say or your own ideas or your thoughts. You know, many people are fighting in a country like ours, like we're saying. We say, do this in this country, do this. The other day, I was talking to our brother, Bishop. We're just talking. He said, I said, Bishop, relax. He said, the system. I said, there's no system. These are products of the system. I said, no, no, there's no product of the system. The people are the system. I said to him, if you remove all the leaders in Nigeria right now and replace them with all the people complaining. Thank you. Who said worse? <laughs> you say. Exactly what I told him. I said things will turn out worse than before. I said, remove all the leaders right now, all of them. They replace with the people who are doing answers. The people who are complaining. Just replace them with those people. In two years, you won't recognize yourself again. You'll be begging, say, you'll be begging for the days of Buhari. You'll be begging for the days of Buruburu. I'm telling you. So when you're having a chat, I said, my brother, leave that and there's no system. There is people. They are the system. And I don't mean the people in power. I mean the average man on the street. They are the people you know the other day. Let me just tell you how bad things are. I don't mean to discourage you. I want to encourage you to pray. They say those states. No, Bayelsa, during the do 2020, hired a Kenyan to run a race. You know, you know did you hear about it? You, some people are looking like, eh, hey, what thing happen? Try and be aware of your environment. Eh? Put news up and read Nigerian news at least once a day. Okay, once in two days. So they know what is going on. <laughs> some people don't even know there's a do 2020. What's a do 2020? World Cup. <laughs> And that is good. So, the, the Bayasa State hired a Kenyan to come and run long distance. And you know Kenyans, 
They were born running. They, they, they don't learn how to run. Their mama was in a hurry when they born them. Kenyans, Ethiopians, all those guys around that axis, they can't run. There's a reason for it. All right? Let's not discuss the reason now. There's a reason for it. So anyway, they now caught the fellow. So they stripped them. Many medals they had won, they, they were stripped of it. So I, think they, I don't know what the, the other punishment they gave to them. So people, some people were now saying, can you imagine? So my class was discussing it. Before they started, I said, hey, everybody relax. I said, what has Bayelsa done? That's strange. I began to tell them how universities, and a lot of my guys are big men in universities. Deans of faculties, they are there. Chief medical directors, heads of departments, you know, things like that. Provosts, you know, all those top, top level. I get them plenty, my classmates. So they, nobody talked because they knew the truth. I said, how many times do we hire equipment when inspectors are coming? When you want to do accreditation, they say, you need this one. They say, ah, we don't have it here. You will travel. And the head of your institution will give you a letter to the other head, say, I beg, help us. So that will not be denied accreditation. I said, nobody should. I said, everybody, free Bielsa, free Bielsa. I don't want to hear anything. I'm not from Bielsa, so it's nothing like, um, there's nothing, there's nothing paraboyish about it. I'm just telling the truth. I said, there's nothing Bielsa has done that the average person, average person in power doesn't do on a daily basis. I've seen people hire books. They say, where's your library? They go and rent books. Put there. Inspectors will come. Oh, we're live streaming. We we'll have to review this live streaming thing. And okay, I know what to do. Let me say something. One day I was somewhere. They were doing things like this. I was watching them. When they finished, I said, next time I hear anyone of you talk about corruption in Abuja, I will remind you of today. Let me just call it like that. I told the people, I said, when they finished the plan, I said, have you seen the plan you made? So let me tell you the meaning of this. It's called corruption. You have lied. You have cheated. You, are, you should go to EFCC prison. They should detain you. You'll be shouting Rochas or Rochas, come and answer 7.6 billion naira something. You, 7 point something number of books where you borrow is corruption. The, every, the whole world lies under the power of the evil one. That's the meaning. So when they tell you that, remove the people in power, replace with who? With who? These boys I can see. This guess I can see. Please, oh, leave me with those who are in power. They said, these old men, why did they didn't know so? Please. At least they know they are close to the grave, so they, don't, they are not making plans for the next 20 years. These small, small boys, excuse me, I'm seeing them. Let's just digress a bit. On the average, they love the country less than those old men. I know what I'm telling you. If you want to find nationalism, that's where you find it. Not with these small, small boys. Forget all the noise they are making. You know why they make so much noise? Twitter is free. Yeah. I know boredom is a terrible thing. When you don't have any work you are doing, just sit down there, be tweeting. And then they say things, what, what people, you know, that's why the Bible wants against joining the multitude to do evil. Because once everybody says something, everybody has to say, yeah, yeah. Like one man, they say he, they were protesting, he got to where protest was. He carried a placard, hey, hey, hey. He asked the guy, what are we presenting about? He, <laughs> he has, the, he had joined the protest though. He was making noise. I said, like, what did he have? What did he have? <laughs> he did not know what was happening. But he was in the protest. The Lord is good. Why did I say all of these things I just said? So that you understand that 
the battle we have is not against flesh and blood. It's literally against principalities and powers. It's against spiritual wickedness in high places. It's not against flesh and blood. Evil is just everywhere. I'm saying this to let you know that we don't have a choice but to allow the world do the fight. Our duty is to just release the word into the air. Of course, we live and I obey the word in our personal lives. That's what gives us the authority to release that word into the air. But once it has gone out, it will do its work. And I said something earlier. I need to go back to it. And I said, you don't forget it. Two statements I made. One. Two statements. No, there's two statements I said you should note. I want to see those who are paying attention in class. That's the second one. Thank you very much. The overglorified devil. That's the second one. What's the first one? Thank you. Hmm? Thank you. Yeah, okay, she has tickled everybody's memory. Now we have now remembered. Thank you. They, we have misrepresented God and they overglorified the devil. You see what I'm saying? Now, of course, nothing new. God has been described by us as someone who doesn't do evil. Well, that is when I say evil now. Doesn't hurt people. Never does anything wrong. That is what we call wrong. If anybody dies, it's never his fault. If there's calamity, the Lord has not done it. If there's trouble, it can't be him, it has to be the devil. So we painted for ourselves, ourselves a perfect picture of our own idea of a perfect God. Except that the Bible never describes him so. The second part of the coin, what we now did was that we took everything that we don't like that God did and said it's the devil. So when Saul died, for the trespass he committed against the Lord, we said it was the devil that killed him. Then we opened our Bibles and said, but the Bible said God killed him. He said, no, the word kill in Hebrew is in the permissive sense. Which means the Lord allowed him to be killed. Our way of painting our God that he doesn't kill people. I don't want to bore you with details. Now, going to the scriptures, I have underlined, I don't know how many, a lot of scriptures I deliberately did in my Bible to show where God said he did some of these things. Some he will say, I'm about to invent evil against these people. So bad that the ears of those who hear it will tingle. We don't quote those ones. The Bible says Saul died for the trespass he committed. Where I want to go is, he said, therefore God killed him and turned the kingdom over to David. Now, if God just allowed him to be killed, he also allowed the kingdom to be turned. That is not the one that gave David the kingdom. David snatched it because it was lying down free. Which is not true. Which is not true. Anytime we don't like something, we blame the devil. Now, listen to me. Of course, we take scriptures something out of context, or we. There's not the Bible because the whole counsel of God. You don't just take one and then spread it everywhere. You have to let God speak for Himself. There was a time He said, I, the Lord, do these things. And He was talking about the things that we don't like. He had to say, I'm the one. There was a time in Israel they say, It's not Him. It's not new. It's not him. Israel said, not he. Not he. They will suffer calamity. They say, it's not him. We are going to arm ourselves and do what we need to do to get out of our calamity. God said, hey, 
The prophet says, God says, leave that thing. It's ozone layer depletion. It's global warming. It's headsmen. Blame everything, but it's not God. Where is God, my maker? Why should you ask that question? That's what I mean when I say that we misrepresented him. And the consequence of that is that when we are supposed to repent, we don't repent. We start rebuking. The consequence of that is that we don't pray certain prayers. That's why I'm going all of these things. Let me say something to you. There's only two ways to handle iniquity on this earth. Only two ways. The doers either repent, that's number one way of handling iniquity, or number two, it is judged. There's no third way. It cannot be ignored. You cannot ask God to prosper a land without asking him to judge iniquity. He doesn't know how to do it. I hope you're getting my point here. You can't ask him, Lord, bless this land. God said, come, come. Can you see the sin that's inside? He doesn't say, Lord, forgive. And God said, all right, we can overlook the sin, but I can't bring a blessing. He said, Lord, bless. Lord, the Lord will turn to him and say, hey, hey, make up your mind. Can you see the sin that's in the land? Well, no, he's waiting for you to pray one prayer. What's the prayer? Judge iniquity. It's like you want to plant crops. You say, please, don't hurt the weed. God said, wait, wait, excuse me. This ground is, is fallow, all right? You want to plant. Pull the weeds that's there. Remove the stones that are there. Plow and harrow. Dress the land for goodness sake. In that process, you will uproot trees. There are weeds that have grown there for some time. They've sunk their roots down. You have to pull them out. If they could cry, they will shout. If they could bleed, they will bleed. But you cannot ask me to f- make that land flourish, except you are willing for me to do that first. That's why I said what I said. That we misrepresented him, then we overglorified the devil. Now, why am I going to all of this? I've said many things. Number one, I've emphasized the fact that the word works. Remember that? And let's use the better word. The word is alive. Remember it? Then I'm not going to a point in which I want to remind us again. Because when we began this, I explained that everything hears the word of God. This is a piece of wood that's dead because we cut it out of the living tree. You understand? Treated it. So this wood is technically dead. But you know what? It hears the word. Insects hear. The walls they hear. Living trees here. I said the living beings around. They hear the word. Angels here. Demons here. Seraphims, you know, cherubims. They hear. They hear the word. Human beings also hear. When I say hear now, I don't mean with their ear. What I mean is that if you speak a word as example against evil, and that means that the evil man will perish. You will also hear that word and perish. Even though he's not trying to obey it. I hope you get my point. Everything hears the word. And the assignment, remember what I said earlier also? One, the only the church has the assignment of doing what? Filling everywhere with the knowledge of the word. Now, the knowledge is not just about people having intellectual, you know, appreciation of who God is. It's beyond that. 
That's why I took time out to explain that the fact that the word is alive. To fill the atmosphere with the word. So that, listen to this, the atmosphere becomes toxic to iniquity. I don't know whether I get my point. You, we can fill the atmosphere with the word so much that two young boys or three young guys will be in their home plotting kidnapping. And they want to cross the road. A truck will crush them, they will die. And nobody will link the two. They sat there and they began to plot. But they did not know that we had said their arrows will enter into their own hearts. So they armed themselves. And they came out with their guns covered. And they parked the car they wanted to use on the other side of the road. And the truck with 40 bricks decided to pass that street that day. And it crushes the boys. Chris kills two of them. Breaks the legs of one. Because there's something good found in him. Per adventure, he will repent. And the driver of the truck runs away. Nobody finds him. And then the neighborhood, what they do? Set the truck on fire. And that's the end of the case. What they don't know is that the word commandeered the truck. <laughs> it's not the God of, oh, Mr. Devil, she don't be doing what you are doing. No. God doesn't advise the devil. It doesn't counsel evil doers. If you feel, let me explain something to you. That was the problem with Ananias and Sapphira. The atmosphere was de- was deadly. People said they were not born again. They were very born again. As much as anybody else talking about you gave your life to Christ, but in their deeds, ah, uh-uh, they did not finish it. The atmosphere was toxic to iniquity. What lie did they lie that? <laughs> <laughs> Prophets have lied that lie before. What happened to Gehazi? Gehazi lied. Ah, Gehazi lied with the name of Elisha. Modern day, our pastors have lied more than Ananias and Sapphira. You know what? They are still alive in their cars. They are alive. They are in church. Do you know why? The atmosphere is not toxic to iniquity. The atmosphere is not deadly to evil doing. The atmosphere is receptive. Why? Because they all do it. Everybody does it. Everybody lies. So the glory has receded. So Ananias, is, Ananias will thrive. They wanted the acquire in one church. He will leave that church and go to another church. And continue to thrive until his iniquity becomes full. However, in the time of the early church, the atmosphere was deadly. You know what the Bible says? The people around were afraid to join themselves to them. The aura around them was toxic to iniquity. So if you arose as an evildoer, you died. <laughs> I hope you're getting my point here. You know, there's something, we're talking about the power of God and all of that. One thing I'm certain of, I don't doubt it, we are praying that God's power will fall this generation and all of that. I believe it, we prophesy it, we do it all the time. One part of it we must never forget. You see, our churches the way they are right now, Mark my words, we scatter first. First. The way they are right now, they will scatter first. Because God said, listen, Banky, if, do, if you don't want them to scatter, then I have to ananize, that's the word, and sapphirize many people. The only way I will not go out to the same spirit with which I took out ananias and sapphira is I just scatter, let there be no congregation there. 
Because the glory of God comes complete. It destroys, overthrows, it uproots, and it breaks down before it begins to build and to plant. You know, sometimes, you know, one of the reasons why the power of God does not, is not activated the way we want it. Because so you guys can't take it. No, you can't. Because if I start, Ananias is going. Sapphira is going. There will just be one week. Or a season of two, three weeks. Not more than three weeks. Joe here, one pastor was preaching. Bam, he died. One wanted to raise money. Boom, he fell. You start wondering, what is going on? He was about to enter his car. He fell, hit his head on the edge. Boom, that's it. And I was listening to the person talking about some men who began to preach a particular doctrine at a particular point in time. And he said, mark my words, this thing will not have a good ending. Three men all died tragically. Every single one of them. One of them was used to work maybe like install windows and all of that, high-rise buildings. He fell onto a fence that had metal spikes. Pastor said he had told them that this thing will not have a good ending. Every single one, God took them out. Look, this is where I'm going. Do you want the power of God manifested in your environment? Do you want peace in this nation? Do you want prosperity in this land? Do you want the gospel to advance everywhere? The primary assignment is to fill the air until it is toxic to iniquity. The primary assignment is to fill the air with the knowledge of the glory of God. It's a job we have. We have an assignment. to fit. It's not just about preaching. That's part of it. It's about just sitting down and just declaring the lordship of God into the air. The pastor said, I learned this some time ago, not too long ago. I want to pray in my house. That's the first thing we do. Sometimes I, you know, I, just, I wake up, maybe my alarm rings or something to pray. It's just one scripture. Before I wanted to be doing long prayer, I just said, no, it's not necessary. Just Psalm 2. Why do the hidden reach? And the people imagine a vain thing. You declare that. In the, you see, when was I reading there? Go back to where we, we, we read from. Did we use seven or nine just now? What we're doing was declaring the glory of God into the air. The word is alive. That's my emphasis. She just send it out there. He knows, listen to me. You don't need to pray that one, go, one president or one governor will go or come. You don't, you, don't, you don't worry yourself about it. One thing about praying with the word of God is this. It's always safe. You can never get it wrong. You know why? You're not doing the thinking. There are people that you and I would rather remove from government. God said, no, now. I have a job for him to do. I have a job for her to do. They'll be there praying. In the name of Jesus. I command you to come down, scatter, die, everything. Why? You divest. You're angry. Sometimes, you know, in Nigeria, we are prophesied. One, one governor, of course, you know, Erufai. One day, I, I, I saw his interview. So he said, they have told me I will die. They have cursed me. He said, all the people that are saying I will die, they are dead. I'm still alive. I was just shaking my head. <laughs> You know, he, the, the curses they've been reading on that man is since he was in Abuja. Since he was a minister for FCT, FCT minister. Because he demolished churches. They say he was anti-Christ, anti-Christians. He demolished mosques. They say he's an infidel. Muslims cursed him. Christians cursed him. The man said, 
Not that, that as long as I know what I'm doing is right, he said, my conscience is clear. I'm not afraid of their curses. We are still cursing him. All kinds of curses. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know whether what he's doing is good or bad. To be stupid of me to judge from, you know how far Kaduna is from Enugu? I will now be judging because the newspaper wrote. Newspapers write, I saw a newspaper the other day, they wrote something about how MTN is stealing from Nigerians. I feel like the journalist, this is not right. You don't like what they are. I'm not saying they are not stealing. No. Are you getting my point? But it's not a news item. It was not investigative journalism. It's provocative journalism. I invented that. Don't go and quote it for your literal, your, your, what do you call it, mass com lecturer in school. He just proved, you can see the person was angry. So many times people, newspapers write things. I, I, I refuse, it's, it's part of the discipline of righteousness. Not to judge with the sin of your eyes or the hearing of your ears. You have to learn to judge with righteous judgment. So most times, people ask, most times people ask me about something, I say, I don't know. I have not come close enough to the person to give you any righteous judgment on the fellow's intentions. Okay? Now, so what happens? A lot of times we pray. This man will leave power. God says, I don't want him to leave. The heads of state, like I was saying the other time, of course, like, I can't give money of the Jews because we always stream live, okay? Now, the head of states that Nigerians have hated, them, when they call you aside from heavenly perspective, and show you what God used the person to do. You want to restore the person in power. At least let's talk about America a bit. When everybody, you know, a lot of people, including, in fact, most Nigerians who live abroad did not like Donald Trump one bit. I guess most Americans didn't want him to. I guess. Because that's why he lost the election. But after observing things from above, now, that God chose him, I don't have any doubts, just like he chose Biden to replace him. So it's not about the fact that I liked him that make God be the chooser. No, God chooses leaders, okay? But I want to bring out that from my own spiritual perspective, I could just see crucial things that he had to do, and only he could do, because of his attitudes and not being politically correct. And it was crucial to God. You must understand the way God reasons. It doesn't weigh everybody equally. It doesn't, too. There can be 20 million people here and one person here. And God will ignore 20 million. They're angry. As long as his servant does what pleases, what will bless the one person that he wants to bless. I hope you follow my point. What's the summary? Our personal opinions, our anger, and stuff like that may not work the righteousness of God. But if we pray the word alone, like we were praying earlier, and you take God to arise and judge wickedness, then the word is able to discern the thoughts and what? The intents of the heart. He knows who is really wicked that should come down. Do you follow my point? It may not be who you want, but God knows exactly. He can see it. But he said, I will not do anything until, remember the heavens are the heavens of the Lord, but the earth he has given to us. So we have a duty, therefore, to send his word into the air, and his angels, mighty in strength, they hearken unto what? The voice of his word. So when we send his word into the air, we strengthen them to obey the word, take down the wicked, elevate the righteous. So the nice person that's pretending to be nice when actually he's wicked, they take, they take him down. And of course you will cry. That's why in everything, you just give the Lord thanks. And you wonder what is going on. The Lord knows what I say. I know what I'm doing. 
Did not ask me to bless. And when I want to bless, I have to arise with my judgment. So he arises with his judgment because we... Now, that's you no know, we're reading earlier. Let's go back there. Verse 7. But the Lord abides forever. He has established his throne for judgment. Please bear this in mind. We uttered this earlier and we are uttering it again. And he will judge the world in righteousness. He will execute judgment for the peoples with equity. The Lord also will be a stronghold for the oppressed. A stronghold in times of trouble. Please notice that. He said he has established his throne for what? For blessing? For blessing? What did he say? He has established his throne for what? For judgment. It's important. Now, these are the things we are supposed to do. Fill the air with the knowledge of the glory of God. That's the point I'm making. We fill the air with the knowledge of the glory of God. It is the glory of God to judge iniquity. When I was talking to Bishop that day, of course, not just him, many people I've spoken with. He said, what is the hope in a country like ours? And I said, let's use an example. What's the hope? Listen, I don't doubt it. I don't at all. The only hope for this nation is what we are doing right now. Preaching the word of God, praying with the word of God, and declaring the word of God into the air. There's no other hope. You cannot gather these 200 million human beings to make a right decision. They will never vote for somebody apart from the fact that the person is from their place. If you are God, can you bless such human beings? Think about it. I told you when I was in school, one of my roommates, he made so much noise about the guy who became lost in the organization president. He abused the guy from now to tomorrow. Said everything that was evil about the guy's character and his thought and the guy's inabilities. He now ended with, but I voted for him. I said, what did you say? He said, I voted for him. I said, why? He said, you see, he's my brother. I can just imagine God said, give me my blessing. Give me back, I'm going. There's no point blessing people like you. No matter, and this guy is mouth sharp, law student. Sharp mouth like this. The type that can criticize a country, everybody, the head of state, criticize everybody in power. Then God gave him the opportunity to cast his vote, to make a statement that for him, good governance is important. You know what he did? He voted for a, somebody he testified. In fact, I remember his word. He said this association can never go forward under him. Ended with what I voted for him. Why? He says it's my brother. Hey, hey, don't think it's unusual. 90% of those you see on the street, they're like that. Okay, I withdraw the word 90. I don't know the proportion. But majority, they're like that. So if you are waiting for democracy to give you development or blessing, forget it. The only thing democracy can give to Nigeria is retardation. The only thing democracy can give is we are going back. The only thing it can give is underdevelopment. The only thing that can bring development is the blessing of God. So we are better find how to bring it in. Better tell pastors that tell lies. That will soon, no, not will soon. We have made their matter a prayer point without mentioning their names. Pastor Bang, just make sure you don't tell lies because this thing affects everybody. I'm telling you the truth. Because, you see, when God arises in judgment, you know where he starts? Where? His house. When he, and listen, he has to arise in judgment. There is no other way. I listen to the average person on the street. 
And I just shake my head. I said, thank God for what I know. If I had to go by what I hear, eh, I would lose hope. And I also thank God because he doesn't need everybody. He doesn't need a majority. He needs what they call a remnant. He can ten righteous people could cause Sodom and Gomorrah to survive. A hundred could cause it to prosper. Maybe a thousand will make her that those cities prosper richly. Maybe. That gives me courage and it gives me hope. It gives me confidence. It helps me that like, I don't need everybody on the streets. If everybody that listens to me alone, that is, those who say, ah, I listen to Pastor Banki one hour a week, if all of them will do what we are saying, the nation will listen. When I say listen, the nation will hear the word of God and turn around. That's what gives me hope. That's what gives me confidence. Because I know all he's looking for is a remnant. He calls them what? The salt of the earth. Just like if you want to, you know, you want to put flavor in a big bowl of soup or whatever you are cooking, do you need that quantity of salt? No, you don't. What you just need is what? A little bit. A little bit. Because a little living leavens the whole lump. It's the same principle. That is what gives me courage. That's what gives me confidence. Because I know God doesn't need anybody. But those of us he needs, he needs us crucially. Did you hear what I said? Those people that he needs, they are crucial. And the assignment I'm reminding us of again today. Last time we talked about elevating, that is getting the knowledge of the glory of God out there, generally speaking. Talk, that you just wake up in the morning. Now, let me get to the practical side. You just wake up in the morning. Let me use that example. You know the way, the way Muslims pray? The prayer is declarative. It's an example. I'm not saying this because they do it. I'm saying it because I learned it from scripture. You have hundreds of millions of people every day declaring something. Habba. Even if it's not true, the trees will think it is true. They hear so much, they begin to believe it. Let us give us an example. What I'm saying to Christians is that listen, and let, I need to say this. You know, I, I said earlier, satanic distraction, you must get rid of it. Listen, political commentary, I think you should stop it in public. You know, like in public, when you get out with people, start talking, talking about this. Just, you don't need to talk. You have spoken enough as your life changed. You sat down one whole night with your friends, analyze. <laughs> you know, I read news a lot, okay? But there's something I never read. It's very local news. There's something I never read if I open any newspaper, online newspaper. Most of my time, most of the time I read online papers. Whether it's um, Vanguard, Disdale, Guardiano, Poncho, give me another one. That is not a newspaper. I'm talking about newspapers. <laughs> Nation, no. Uh-huh. Um, you know, once somebody calls himself tabloid, you know what it means? We just they play. That's what tabloids do. You say, um, a whiskey wants to marry a third wife. Is that news? Didn't I never read those things? There's one I saw the other day. This international news. Um, what's the name of this? Our brother. Brother just divorced his wife. Kanye West. Yes. They say Kanye West probably starting another romantic relationship with another Hollywood star. I just jumped. I said, that's not news. It's not worth my time. You know why? I refuse to research this. You know why? It will make me think about it. So even if I have nothing to do, I'd rather read the Genesis of Jupiter. What is that? I don't know. I mean, 
just read something that can give me information. Really, really. If I, I don't read all this, um, all those kind of things. I don't. Okay? But I'm talking about local newspapers now. One thing I never read is same, okay, maybe never will be too strong a word, but almost never, that's good, is opinions. I hardly do. I look for news items. Government has announced a new import duty. I will read that it's news. I should know what's going on. Amcon has taken over this airline. I will read that. Why did they take it over? A new company is being floated to handle Amcon properties. I read that. Three governors in Southeast or Southway or South Central said this. They are public office holders. I will read it. But when I say, when I hear one Babatunde Idris, in case that's your name, it's just a coincidence, so I just might have to nowhere, all right? Just in case, okay? Says, the problem with Nigeria, I never read. You know why? It's his opinion. So first, I need to see who he is. If Tunde Bakare says, problem with Nigeria, well, he's a prophet. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I will read. If, one, if they said that... Um, the Archbishop of the Catholic Church in Nigeria says something. Well, let's read. But if one man I don't know, you know, you say, hey, no, Israel, which I know, but uh, uh, give me a name. Maybe they tell me something like Chukwemeka, uh, Chukwebuka. Uh, I don't know who you are. Because the editor is your friend, he publishes. Something you said. You know why I won't read it? You're going to be start affecting the way I reason. And I don't want non-entities, I'm sorry to use the expression, to be, to be controlling how I reason. No, I don't. I, I'm serious. Though. I read news a lot. I never. If you're a business analyst, as an example, and I know you to be a professional business analyst, and you want to tell me why Dangote Cement is doing what he's doing, and why, give me another cement, be wise. Be you a white cement is scarce. I read those things. But one man, because the editor knows him, be publishing his, his uh, opinion. I don't read. I almost never do. Almost never. Maybe I end up reading like one in a year. And there are several to read every day. Yeah, that, that's just the way I behave. What's my reason? Your opinion is your opinion. The fact that you can publish it does not mean I should read it. And, you're going to, and a lot of them affect the way people reason. So I'm not going to these are things you have to avoid so you can keep your mind sharp so that God can use you. So that when you want, you want to pray, you will not be praying out of anger. When you want to pray, you're not praying out of personal, you know, somebody's opinion has been foisted upon you and is forming your prayer point before God. No, you don't, I mean, you shouldn't do that. One of the things I tell people, if you, especially if you have a prophetic call, it, you have to keep your heart as clean as possible. As a Christian, for you to be able to pray effectively, your heart has to be pure. If you're angry, you can't pray. If, listen, if you're angry by a situation, when you go to God, go, go and pray, pray about your anger first. Get on your knees. Like now, all these headsmen things are going on. You know, many people are angry. Now I'm saying to Christians, eh? when you want to pray, please don't pray about the situation first like that. Pray about your anger. What do I pray about the situation? I read a few scriptures out to it. Remember the word does what? Thinks. This is the assignment I'm giving us again, I believe, by the Spirit of God. We need to fill the air. Not with our commentaries. It's enough. We need to fill the air. Right now, my focus for today is about the glory 
of God in his judgment. Let me say to being a Christian is sacrificial. What, what do I mean by that? You have to take time out to purge your own self. Because if you pray against iniquity and you are walking in it, you will be judged. You hear what I said? You will be judged. You will be judged. Listen. This is how you will know. Quickly, Exodus chapter 4. Let's read that one briefly. We'll get back to the book of Psalms. I want us to read a few scriptures. Just in the next few minutes, we'll start. We'll read. Please, get. I hope you are following what I'm trying to say. The word wants to work. We need to release it into the air. I'm giving us, by the Spirit of God, assignments. When we say things like, this is our season of the demonstration of the Spirit and of the power of God, the word is going into the air. It is. It's getting us ready, preparing our hearts, teaching us what is right to do. Now, then Moses said, what if they do not believe me? Verse 1. To what, or listen to what I say. For they may say the Lord has not appeared to you. The Lord said to you, what is in your hand? Now, just let us understand the things that happened there. So, you see, there was an encounter between him and God. And the Lord talked about how he would send Aaron with him and the staff and all of that. I want to bring out something here. Verse 4. Now, verse 21. It's 24, I need to say. But let me read 21 first. Then the Lord said to Moses, When you go back to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders which I have put in your power. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. So I said to you, Let my son go that he may serve me. But you have refused to let him go. Behold, I will kill your son, your firstborn. Assignment has been given, right? Next verse. Now it came about at the lodging place on the way that the Lord met him and sought to put him to death. Then Zipporah took a flint and cut off her son's foreskin and threw it at Moses' feet and said, You are indeed a bridegroom of blood to me. He said, So he let, let him alone. Now, who was it that God met to kill here? It's not very clear in that place. But listen to me, it was Moses. It was Moses that was about to be killed. It was not his son. Moses, who had just received the marching orders from God, was going to be killed by who? By God himself. It's important you get the point. What was the reason he did not circumcise his son? Of course, the Bible writes in codes. You have to learn to decode some things. There must have been an issue with the, with the, in the family about it. The wife had refused, and um, Moses had backed down, but the covenant was therefore not established in his home. And like I said, God does not play demo. It was not a joke. I hope you're getting my point. Now, why do I like reading this? To let us understand that we are not immune to divine judgment just because we are called. We are not immune to divine judgment just because we are the one doing the praying. We are not. When you know you have an assignment, what do you do? You purge yourself of every defilement. Everything in your life must be circumcised. Every single thing in your life must be circumcised. I was about Christianity being what? A sacrifice. Listen, it will cost you money. There are times you just say, I'm not doing this. And people say that uh, it, your business will not go forward. And listen, literally the business will shrink. 
is called a sacrifice. Tell them that is the sacrifice I have given to God. You know, my friend said something. In northern Nigeria, that you want to hire a house. They are largely aware that you're a pastor, and they won't give you. And the house is empty. And what he will say, that this is my contribution to jihad. He's not fighting anybody. He's not carrying a gun. He's not even going around preaching. But he said, no, I will not let another gospel prosper because I want to earn money from it. There's a lesson in that for us. There are things in any good I do, like now. Traffic lights, no matter the time of the day, I don't break it, I stay there. People will pass by me, boom, boom, boom. I say, it's my contribution to order. You, you can't persuade me, I'm going to stay there. It's my contribution to what? Order. Yeah, and listen, I've not done it. It's not as if I've done it especially right to. I mean, what's special about it? You just obey the law. There are, time, there are things, oh God, oh, because of our time, I can't go into many things. The point I want to make is that Christianity is a life of sacrifice. It's not a life of convenience. There are times you are tempted to talk. You are tempted to criticize the president. You are tempted to criticize the governor. You are tempted to criticize everything that is going on, but you say, I will not speak. Why? Because I have committed my mouth to prophetic utterances. And the same spring cannot bring forth good and bad water at the same time. So I've committed my tongue, and I'm telling everybody to follow me in what I'm trying to say here, that is make that commitment. That I've committed my tongue to declaring the judgment of God into the earth. Let him be the one to judge, not me. I'm not going to judge anybody. But I will say to God all the time, arise from Zion, judge the people with equity. Judge the nations with your righteousness. Listen, Jesus said, pray like this, thy will be done. If it was done automatically, why does it have to be a prayer point? This is what I'm saying to you. The Lord is saying, before progress comes, because before prosperity comes, before order, peace comes, I have to arise in my judgment. For, for information, the whole world will be judged. There's something I used to say. I'm not saying it in a long time, I'll say it again. Some people are rushing, let me go and buy a house in Dubai. It makes me laugh. I, I'm not going to buy a house in Dubai even if I had the money. You know why? Eh? No, that's not why. Not because of jihad. Who knows why? The Lord is going to return all that places back to what it used to be. There's that. Bojal Arab is going to the sea. Boys Khalifa will come, will come down. Pastor Banki, why? Because he said, kiss the son, lest he be angry. And I'm prophesying to you today, the son is getting angry. He said, when the son is angry, you perish out of the way. So if you institutionalize the denial of the son, and you don't kiss the son, I don't care how much you have prospered, you will be destroyed. I don't want a house in Europe because they are going the same way. Listen to me. On this earth, except the scriptures that we know, the Bible we know is not true. Otherwise, there's none of these nations I've mentioned 
that within the next two generations are not going down. There's none. Except God is dead. I don't want to say more things. Then my brother won't start getting angry. I see Africans. See, South Africa decided to recognize the same-sex marriage. It is called divine judgment. You are begging for it. I'll tell you something. God will always, it may take time, but eventually he will arise in his judgment. Always. And even Abraham will not be able to stop it. When he said, if you find ten righteous people, <laughs> you judge the land. God said, if they were ten, you think I'll leave where I'm coming from? There are two ways to look at that, that, um, the, the, the conversation. We tend to focus on the power of a man to hold on to God and pray. That is true. It's also what is called the righteousness of God. God said, I stopped by your house, Abraham, for you to know that by the time I wipe a whole, a whole nation, two major cities of their time, out, when I wipe them out like this, you will know that indeed I'm righteous. That was why he stopped to talk to Abraham. This is what I'm about to do. Abraham, if you were in my shoes, what would you do? Abraham said, if there were ten righteous people there, I would have come down to judge them. God said, fine. Let's go and look for ten. You know what he was saying, Abraham? If there were ten, I wouldn't come to. I'll have done something else. And they went through the land, and they couldn't find ten righteous people. And I said to you before, ten righteous does not mean those who are preaching, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. It's ten people who just say, we are not doing evil. Ten people that who just say, one cage is one cage. I bought something from you, I'm supposed to pay you your money. That's just, that's what he meant. Ten, who would just say, a man is a man, a woman is a woman. And for a man to have, a sexual, have sexual attraction for another man is wrong. Just, they don't even need to do it, just say it. Just say it. And that's Christian, be careful what you, what you agree with. Because so many times, especially when they've stayed in Europe for a long time, they start, they start justifying iniquity. That there's no need to judge. You don't have to be homophobic. You must understand that people are going through things. God has removed your name from those he's counting as righteous. Just declare the divine counsel and leave it there. Why don't I want to house in some places? Because I don't know when God will come in and rain something from heaven. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know the day. But that is coming. Against every nation that's gathered against the Lord and against his anointed. The other day, Europe made it a law. As a doctor, you can't refuse to perform abortion. Did you hear what I said? So I said no such law was made. There are two ways you make laws. Legislative House and Supreme Court. The one was made through the European Court of you know, Human Rights. They had lost everything. I think there were two Swedish nurses, Christians. Americans came to come and defend, defend them. They gathered behind these people. They are believers. Because in, I think it's Sweden or one of these countries that started with S in Europe. I can't, I'm not very sure of which one. That one, they said, in that, in that country, midwives are trained to perform termination of pregnancies. So these are two midwives. They said, all right, we terminate, terminate pregnancy for this woman, kill the unborn baby. They said, no, we are Christians, we will not do it. So they suspended them from work. They said, no, that is wrong. It's within our rights, our right as people of faith, our conscience issue. So they went to court, they lost. Appealed, they lost. Appealed to the Supreme Court of their country, they lost. The only recourse left, legal recourse they had left, was the European Court of Justice for Human Rights and this and this and that. They went there. 
Those who once upheld the judgment of their country, thereby sin all over Europe. If you're a medical practitioner, if a woman comes and says she needs abortion, you can't refuse, otherwise you lose your job. Arise, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered. He will arise. He said, God is raised, I'm convinced. I've yielded myself to that. He's raising a generation of people, prophetic people who will get up every night and declare his righteousness into the air. Declare his justice into the air. You don't mention anybody's name. They just say, the Lord will arise and judge in righteousness. He will defend his people. He will arise and his enemies will be scattered. And I said that we misrepresent God, right? That God, when you call upon him, there's a word the King James will use, terrible, to describe God. He can be terrible. When the people of Indonesia annoyed him, when they persecuted his people, and the Lord, look, what do I do? And a lot of Europeans and Americans will come and come and enjoy immorality in those Thailand coasts. So God sent an angel. That one hit the floor. Cracked the bottom of the cushion. And in one day, 250,000 people died in about eight countries. Mark my words, it was not the devil. Kiss the son, lest he be angry. When Jesus gets angry, people die. I'm sorry to say it. In our nation, people will die. Yes. When he arises in his judgment, it's not nice. That's why the church has a priest to pay. And you know, we lie to people. God wants you to prosper. It's a lie. God will kill you if you don't repent. That's the right gospel. Why do they call it redemption? Why do they call it salvation? Why is our gospel called the gospel of salvation? Do you save a man who's not drowning? Do you save somebody who's not in trouble? Why do we lie to people with our gospel? Let me tell you the real gospel. is the one we pray that was preached to us when we were young. I gave my life to Christ at least 20 times. You know why? Fear. I look back, that is the real gospel. The gospel of the love of God that we preach is a lie. We don't know the meaning of love. For God so loved the world, he's not talking about magnitude, he was talking about method. This was how God, read the modern translation, the expressive word, it said, this was how God showed his love for the world. John 3, 16. For God first loved the world. That was so. It's not, ah, plenty. No, it's how. So we did it. I hope you're getting my point. So, his method. For God first loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. So that the whosoever believe will not what? Will not what? The people are perishing. Tell them the truth. We lie. God doesn't like to kill people. He kills people. He doesn't like it. I'm not saying he likes it though. But he does it. He looked at the whole earth. And people have so annoyed him. He called Noah. I can't stand this anymore. I can't stand this anymore. I have a short time. Just enough time for you to prepare. So Noah continued to build and to preach. And of course, nobody believed. And God knew they wouldn't believe. If you love iniquity, you can't believe. That is why salvation and faith and repentance, two sides of the same coin. You cannot have faith except you are willing to repent. Those who love iniquity can't believe. They didn't believe him. He builds for a hundred years thereabout. And then one day, he locked the door. And you no, know, the devil began to kill people. Was that what happened? It wasn't the devil. God opened the taps above and the ones below. 
water began to ooze from the fountains. Different you know, stuff like that began to open. Water was oozing from below. The aquifers poured, poured, poured out water. The rain began to fall. And God drowned everybody. Not the devil. God drowned everybody. Please, when you want to preach, preach like that to people. Tell them. You think the people who uh, Pilate mix their blood with their sacrifice with the worst of sinners? But listen, except you pay, repent, what will happen? You will likewise perish. Preach the gospel. If you don't believe, you will die and go to hell. And you will burn eternally. Is it literal fire? It doesn't matter. It's torment. They put you in utter darkness for 10 minutes. You almost go mad. You've never been in the kind of darkness that you don't know whether you're lying down or you're standing up. And it's just darkness. So you can't tell whether your leg is facing. You don't know. Those kind of times you wake up, eat this year, switch off the light. Everywhere is quiet. You travel. You're in the village. Even the squirrels are not talking. You open your eyes. You blink. You think your eyes are blinking, but you can't see anything. And last only five seconds before you start feeling for your phone or start moving around looking for where you find the curtain. Finally, you move a curtain and look and see the stars. Oh, well, I'm not dead. What if you open the, star, the window and there are no stars? And you scream, you can't hear your own voice. You feel for something, you can't touch anything. You don't know whether you're upside down. <laughs> You pinch yourself. You can't even feel the pain. There are times pain would have been delightful. You are putting saucepan. They are not asking. That, is, that time you beg for fire. It is let fire burn. It is let fire come. At least the fire will show me light. And it lets me know that I still have sensation. That is hell for you. The separation from God when nothing else makes sense. You can't even interact with the person next to you. Listen, if it lasts for five minutes, it feels like eternity. What about when it lasts for eternity? It's the same thing. You are just in that suspense permanently. And they say, don't go there. Believe in Jesus Christ. And you, 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 you did there more for us. You are playing, say. And you Christians. Let's say the way it is. You will die and go to hell. Hell is real. God judges. Let's leave that side first. Let's come down here. <laughs> We have a responsibility, people of God, to declare the righteousness of God into the air so that he can do what he wants to do on the earth. The Lord will arise. He will judge the nations. He will judge iniquity. Listen to me. He will wipe out evildoers. Listen to my words. A time will come. You will, the story of headsmen attacks will be history in this country. Amen. To happen again, that when people want to take bribe, they will go into the bush. You know now, it's open. We're not saying we'll wipe out iniquity entirely, but we'll drive, out, drive it back into the bush where it belongs. People will go to prison for collecting 500 naira. But you start as we begin to do our work. I'm pleased for your pastor. Let me, let me ring, let, let me warn you. He's starting in your place. Church will scatter. You'll come to church one day, there's nobody there. You build a job with 200 million naira, you come, the roof is gone. There was no rain, no, no thief. The roof will just go. Just lift, you know, this kind of roof will just get up, fly. From Enugu, land in Anambra. People will wonder what happened. So that people will know that you are cursed of God. 
Members will not come to that church again. Did they go where? Roof with the travel. He said, the pastor is an occultist. You're not an occultist. God is judging your ministry. Because you lie too much. You lie. And that is salvation. After that experience, you have just a few more months to repent. And there's repentance that is in secret. There are some repentances that will be on Facebook. People, I'm sorry I lied to you. God said, fine, you will live long. Go and start ministry again. But for him to commence this, he said, we have a job to do. Let's rest our feet. Let's go to Psalm 7. Now remember, we're not just reading the Psalms, we are prophesying. What are we doing? We are releasing the knowledge of God, the knowledge of the glory of God into the air. We are releasing the knowledge of the glory of God into the air. That's what we are doing. Releasing the knowledge of the glory of the Lord into the air. We're not just, you know, we're not just um, doing plain church. David said, Oh Lord my God, in you I have taken refuge. Let's do the way we did before, alright? You read the second one, I read the next one. O Lord my God, in you I have taken refuge. Save me from all those who pursue me and deliver me. Or it will tear my soul like a lion, dragging me away while there is none to deliver. O Lord my God, if I have done this, if there is injustice in my hands, if I have rewarded evil to my friend, or have plundered him who without cause was my adversary, let the enemy pursue my soul and overtake it. And let him trample my life down to the ground and lay my glory in the dust. Verse 6. Arise, O Lord, in your anger. Lift up yourself against the rage of my adversaries. And arouse yourself for me, for you have appointed judgment. Let the assembly of the peoples encompass you. And over them return on high. The Lord judges the peoples. Vindicate me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and my integrity that is in me. Oh, let the evil of the wicked come to an end. But establish the righteous. For the righteous God tries the hearts and minds. Everybody read verse 9 again with me. Oh, let the evil of the wicked come to an end. But establish the righteous. For the righteous God tries the hearts and minds. Now read 10. My shield is with God who saves the upright in heart. Now listen to 11. God is a righteous judge. And a God who has indignation every day. Did you hear that? God is a righteous. If somebody tells that God doesn't punish people, tell the fellow, read your Bible. He's a God who has indignation against the wicked every day. Read verse 12, please. If a man does not repent, he will sharpen his sword. He has bent his bow and made it ready. Did you hear that? If a man will not repent, God has sharpened his sword, though. God is the one that sharpened his sword, though. <laughs> Pastors repent, too. Church people repent, too. Nigerians repent, too. We are releasing the judgment of God into the air. This is a warning. Repent, for the judgment of God is at hand. You don't need a bigger church to speak the truth. You don't need more money. Preach righteousness. Men of God, repent. Oh. <clears throat> Verse 13. He has also prepared for himself deadly weapons. He makes his arrows fierce shafts. 14. Behold, he travels with wickedness. And he conceives mischief and brings forth falsehood. 
He has dug a pit and hollowed it out, describing the wicked now, and has fallen into the hole which he made. His mischief will return unto his own head, and his violence will descend upon his own plate. Listen to me. This is the will of God for kidnappers in Nigeria. This is the will of God for bandits in Nigeria. This is the will of God for those who attack the innocent in Nigeria. Everything they have prepared, every deadly weapon, every wickedness, every falsehood, every pit they dug, everything will work against them. That is the plan of God. Like I, what I said earlier, it will happen. Listen, that I described it, it will happen to some people. Some boys will gather and plot to kidnap. And that's the last day they will live. <laughs> One day I heard the story of God's judgment. Of course, it didn't sound like God's judgment. Some boys blocked the road somewhere not too far from here. They did not know that a specially trained security man was the one driving. He parks his gun under his armpit all the time. He wears a jacket on it. One guy pulled a gun on his head. Say, come down, or I shoot you. The guy put up his hand like this. Come down. He did as he wanted to open his door. Next day, he released three rounds into the guy's chest. As he put on like that, he had brought out the gun, cocked it, pa, 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 shot the guy three times. His friends started running. He came down, sat on the road, and shot them one by one. He's specially trained. He felt insulted when they put a gun to his head. He said, what nonsense? Do you know where I have been to learn how to kill people? Seriously. I see it as divine judgment. They left their home with guns. Let's go and we lay the innocent. God sent a man more terrible than them to wait for them. That's what it means when he says that <laughs> they dug a pit. They are the ones that will fall into it. And that's what we are declaring. It's not to what say, what is Nigerian police doing? What can Nigerian police do? Like Pastor Kimiti was praying earlier. See, sometimes he thinks for the people who are in power and if he does not, that they will just be, did you see the way they block the front of our governor's house? They cast concrete in the center of the road. The concrete was, it didn't bring from somewhere. I saw they cast the concrete there. They said, nobody should pass here. Ah. I said, we need to pray. Listen, let's read verse 16 together. His mischief will return upon his own head, and his violence will depend, descend upon his own pate. I will give, let's read 17 together. I will give thanks to the Lord according to his righteousness. And we sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. Amen. Amen. Quickly, we're going to read one more, then we'll close with that. Quickly go open to the book of Psalms 90, 93. Quickly open to the Psalm 93, please. Okay, sorry, 94 we're going to read. Yeah, 94. We'll not read the whole thing because of time. We'll start from verse 1 to verse 16, Psalm 94. Let's read the first verse together, then we'll read the second one together, then three. In fact, let's read everything together. Let's read everything together. Let's read everything together. Abi, Abi, it's not good. Uh-huh. We'll play emphasis where we have to. The Lord is good. One, two, let's go. Oh Lord, God of vengeance, God of vengeance, shine forth. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Render recompense to the proud. How long shall the wicked, O Lord, how long shall the wicked exalt? They pour forth words. They speak arrogantly. All who do wickedness bound themselves. They crush your people, O Lord, and afflict your heritage. They slay the widow and the stranger. 
and mother the orphans. They have said, The Lord does not see, nor does the God of Jacob pay heed. Pay heed, you senseless among the people. And when will you understand, stupid ones? He who planted the ear, does he not hear? He who formed the eye, does he not see? He who chastens the nations, will he not rebuke? Even he who teaches man knowledge. The Lord knows the thoughts of man, that they are a mere breath. Blessed is the man whom you chasten, O Lord, and whom you teach out of your law, that you may grant him relief from the days of adversity, until a pit is dug for the wicked. For the Lord will not abandon his people, nor will he forsake his inheritance. For judgment will again be righteous, and all the upright in heart will follow it. Who will stand for me against evildoers? Who will take his stand for me against those who do wickedness? The Lord will take his stand for us in Jesus' name. He will stand for us against evildoers in the name of Jesus. We declare again, the Lord will not abandon his people. Nor will he forsake his inheritance. Listen, the Lord will will arise and judgment will again be righteous. In the name of Jesus Christ. Let's say it again. O Lord, God of vengeance. Read verse 1 again. O Lord, God of vengeance. God of vengeance, shine forth. Did you hear that? He said, rise up, O God, judge of the earth. Render recompense to the proud. That is what we'll begin to see in the name of Jesus. we we'll declare upon Nigeria, peace will reign. Amen. Peace will reign. Amen. Peace will reign. Amen. What needs to be uprooted will be uprooted. Amen. What needs to be pulled out will be pulled out. Amen. What needs to be broken down will be broken down. Amen. But God will plant peace for us. Amen. God will establish peace for us. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, he said, you said we will run. God said, therefore you will run. He said, you will say we will run on horses. He said, therefore, shall those who pursue you be swift. He said, but in returning and in rest, you will be saved. What am I saying? We will not run. Amen. Yeah, we are declared we will not run. Amen. We will not flee on horses. Amen. Nobody will pursue us and make us flee. Amen. In peace, we will lie down and sleep. Amen. No evil will befall us. Amen. No plague will come near our dwelling places. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I declare God will make us dwell in safety. Amen. Uh, say amen like you believe it. Oh. Amen. I say in peace you will lie down. Amen. In peace you will sleep. Amen. Because the Lord will make you dwell in safety. Amen. I say it again. No evil will befall you. Amen. And no plague will come near your dwelling place. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Listen, I'm expecting the glory of God to shine forth. It's just sad that it has to come with judgment also. But the power of Christ will be manifested in this generation. Amen. And you and I will see it Amen. and participate in it. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, the Lord is good.